Welcome to the Show Me Literacies podcast with Dr. Shay Kirkhoff and Dr. Cassandra Walker-Suggs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Show Me Literacies. I'm your host, Dr. Cassandra Suggs, and joining me today is Melanie Barrett. Melanie Barrett has been an elementary reading teacher, a middle school English language arts teacher, and has just finished her first year as a middle school librarian. She is just finishing up her master's certificate in library sciences at Lindenwood University as well, and she is currently the full-time librarian at Wildwood Middle School. Welcome, Melanie. Thanks, Cassandra. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I'm really interested in talking to a librarian because how can we really talk about literacy if we don't talk to a librarian? You are the heart and soul of literacy in our buildings. Agreed. I think it's a great opportunity for us to talk about how to uh, get kids excited about reading. Thank you. So we'll jump right in. So let me ask you this. First of all, what are some current trends and topics in young, young adult literature and middle grade literature? So if you were to walk into the library today uh, in a middle school, even maybe at a high school, you would see two types of books flying off the shelves, graphic novels and novels in verse. And they're both such exciting ways to get kids excited about reading because they're kind of an interesting entry point into reading in that they are not quite so overwhelming. I think a lot of kids between COVID and all the social medias and everything else that they have going on in their lives, when they see a big, thick novel, they shut down. They're not interested. They think that's too overwhelming. I had a kid tell me earlier this year, it would take me all year to read that book. <laughs> and so both of these options are really fantastic ways to get kids uh, excited about reading. And I want to put in a little plug for these books because I feel like a lot of times, um, sometimes teachers and sometimes parents think, oh, graphic novels, that's not really reading. Or those novels in verse, there's not very many words on that page. That couldn't be a real book. That's not, that's not helping my kid be a better reader. And I want to tell you that I totally disagree with those things <laughs> because a novel in verse is basically a full length story written in poetry form. And so that does mean that it's going to be written like a poem. And a lot of times it looks like there's not as many words on the page. That's true. But it's still a full novel. It still has all the plot structures, the character development, the setting, problems, solutions, everything that you would need to get out of a story you can do with this kind of book. It's just not so overwhelming for students. Sort of like reading song lyrics, and they really like that. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got your graphic novels, which a lot of people say, oh, well, it's all illustrations that couldn't possibly be reading. But what they don't understand is that um, sort of like the whole a picture is worth a thousand words idea that instead of spending pages and pages setting the scene and describing what the characters look like or what the setting looks like or uh, the mood or the tone, they can do it with one image. And so it's still reading. It's just yes. a different way of approaching it. And yes, so I love that. graphic novels and novels in verse are really great ways to get kids excited about reading. And um, don't worry about it not being as many words. It's just as challenging and just as complex. Oh, thank you so much for that feedback. I bet there were people who are, who are listening to this right now wondering how effective are graphic no novels and novels in prose, and should they be supporting them and for their students and their children? So thank you for that explanation, which segues perfectly into my next question, which are, what are some ways that you do to promote or encourage literacy in those middle grades, which could be a tough, difficult time to get kids to want to read? Absolutely. So I would say one of the things that's been really, really effective 
is what we call virtual book tastings. So, you know, your kids sit around and they watch these uh, clips on Netflix or YouTube and um, their, you know, previews for movies or their short TikToks. They like quick um, introductions to information. And so basically what these virtual book tastings are, are movie trailers, but for books. So they're about a minute long, sometimes shorter, and they usually include um, you know, high impact music and visuals and just a few words to get the kids appetite whetted for um, a book or a, a series. And so what we do is we push out these virtual book tastings to the teachers and the students where we have the cover art and when they click on the cover art, they can uh, watch this really quick intro to a book. It gets them really excited and then they come racing down to the library to get <laughs> that book. So I feel like that sort of way of meeting kids where they're at, because that's the kind of thing they're used to um, accessing on their own. And so it really does uh, get them excited about reading. You know what? It's just like the movies. They show us a little clip, two minutes, you know, and we're hooked and we want to see it. I, I think that's a fantastic idea for books. And I've seen some of your book tasting traders. They're, they're phenomenal. And it is a great way to get kids thinking outside the box in terms of books they want to read, which again, parlays me into your next question for you, which is how do you as a librarian get kids to switch genres to say, hey, I know you love fantasy, but let's try to move over this way. What do you do? So uh, one of the big trends in libraries right now is to genre fire collection, to make it set up kind of like a bookstore. So when a kid walks into the library, you can say, hey, what kind of books do you like? Or what kind of movies or TV shows do you like? And when they say, oh, I kind of like fantasy or I kind of like Harry Potter, it's really easy to push them toward one section of book, which is great because then they're not stuck in only one author because they can see all these other books that have similar traits or similar characteristics. But then you're right, sometimes they get pigeonholed and they're only focusing on one kind. And so something that we found to be particularly helpful is rotating displays of books. Mm. So um, something like, for example, each month when there's some kind of heritage month. So for example, Sp uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, we will get out books that promote that particular kind of character or author and we'll display them and we'll do, like I said, a virtual book tasting and other um, opportunities for kids to get excited about reading books that are maybe a little bit different than what they're used to. Sometimes we'll also try different things like contests. So recently we did a uh, Marvel versus DC contest <laughs> where we pulled all our books that had Marvel main characters. And these are novels. These are not just, you know, graphic novels or comics mm -hmm. and all of our uh, books that had DC characters. And we put them on a display one versus the other. And then we encourage students to come in and check out the side that they prefer and watch them battle it out to see which side would win. And again, it's just another opportunity to get kids excited about trying something different. Yes, I love that idea. You also had a bookmark contest, making the bookmarks. I think, how, do, how does that connect students to reading when you have them come in and do that? So one of the bookmark contests that we've done, because we've done a few um, right now, actually has to do with the Hispanic Heritage Month. So what we did is we paired with a Spanish class. They came in and they did a virtual book tasting where they picked which kind or which book they liked based on different genres. Then they each read the book and then they created their own book trailer to promote that book. And then we turned them into QR codes that went on to bookmarks. And so next year when it's Hispanic Heritage Month and we're promoting these books, those will be the bookmarks that we're handing out to students with student-created book trailers to get them excited about reading the books. Wow, with a QR code and everything right into the bookmark. 
Mm-hmm. That I, it's just amazing to me the creativity you and other librarians have come up with to get kids interested and hooked on reading, which makes me go into our next question. And that is, in your opinion, how have libraries changed in the last 25 years? I say that because I remember being in the library using the Dewey Decimal System. And, and, and if you said one of the word, it was like, shh everyone's reading. And it never felt like a place you can just relax and enjoy. It was more, you felt kind of nervous. I got to grab my book and get out of here. How have you seen changes and what are you doing to make sure those changes continue? Absolutely. So I think part of it is that you're right. It's the librarian today is very different than maybe the librarian in the past in that our library is supposed to be the hub of the school. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be this learning commons, this place where people come to not just check out books, but to study and to research and to have group conversations and to um, socialize even. And so having the library be this big open space, I will tell you one of the biggest changes, and it was such a small thing, propping the doors open so that the doors are always open to the library. So that the library always feels open to everyone. I feel like so often we close the doors and we close it off and we're like, we have to be quiet in here. We try to only close the doors when somebody's using it for testing because... (laughs) The truth is having that open door policy where people can feel like they can come in and out all the time is really helpful. I think the genrefying has helped too because it's made the library feel more like a bookstore, like the kind of place where you can just walk in and browse and you don't need the librarian to hold your hand the way that maybe you did when uh, Dewey was such a big focus mm-hmm. um, where you have the opportunity where you can kind of say, oh, that sign over there says uh, says uh, historical fiction. I love historical fiction. I'm going to walk over there. It gives the students a lot more autonomy to find the books that they're looking for and the topics that interest them. And I think just having the library be a space that is uh, flexible. So we have classes coming in all the time to do all kinds of different Uh, research and projects. So not just the language arts classes. We have the science classes coming in to research uh, building rockets, uh, bottle rockets, so that they can then go and uh, test their experiments. Yes. We have our our math classes coming in to do projects too. So it's one of those things where when they don't just see it as a place for books, I think they start to see the library as as a place for everyone. I love that. that. I mean, again, the library has changed so much, in particular at Wildwood Middle School, you've just opened up literally the doors to more creative ways to read. I wanna ask you about maybe a little bit of a tough, tougher subject, and that is recently in news and, and, and information that's out there, more and more people are not wanting certain books here and certain books there. And how does that fall on your shoulders as a librarian? Does it make your job more difficult? How do you find a way through all of that to still support students? It's certainly a challenge. And in my first year as a librarian, I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, So in our school district, we do have policies for how we purchase books so that we uh, try to take as much of the bias out of it as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. That's never completely possible. We know this, Uh, but we try to spend a lot of time looking at the content and what content is really good for students at certain ages. But that's a challenge at a middle school because you have these kids coming in who just left elementary school all the way up to kids who are leaving for high school. And so you really do have to meet a variety of maturities, a variety of interests, and a variety of reading levels too. And so the key is to attempt to have books for everyone for everyone and everyone's needs. So not every book in my library is for everyone, Mm -hmm. but I should have a book for everyone. Mm 
And so the idea is helping students to make good choices based on their own belief systems, their own interests, and what they, you know, have those conversations with their parents at home to make sure that what they're reading meets with what the expectation is in their family. I think that's fantastic. I think that's a great way of looking at that. You get the parent involvement as well so that they have some skin in the game and they know what their children are reading. I know you do a great job with that, Ms. Beard. Now, this is the last question I have for you, and I hate it because I'm enjoying so much talking to you about books and the library and all that's going on. But what do you think people would be the most surprised about about today's library? That's a good question. A few things. I think first, anybody who's uh, was in a library when they were young to walk into a library now would be shocked at how easy it is to find what you're looking for. Because mm. it used to be one of those days where you, if you knew the author, maybe you could find other books by that author. And if you, if you knew maybe a title of a book, you could kind of look around it and kind of hope and pray that what you pulled off the shelf was going to be interesting to you. Whereas today, uh, like I mentioned before, it's almost like walking into Barnes and Noble in that it's really easy to find the area that you like. Uh, one of the things that we do uh, now is sort of the shift to what many people are calling dynamic shelving, where uh, the books aren't all spine facing out, but there's a lot <laughs> forward facing, almost like the displays you would see at a store. It's become something where we're trying to advertise to the students much in the way that people advertise to us. And we as librarians are more like your Amazon assistant, where we can talk to you about your past search histories, right? Your past interests and try to tailor our suggestions to you based on things that you've loved in the past. And I think that has given us a really great opportunity to open their eyes to new ideas, but also to help them find something that they're going to just love and they're not going to be able to put down. Yay, well said. And you do a phenomenal job at that. I love the Amazon assistant approach and the shopping because we, we all like to shop and we're visual. So you're teaching kids at a young age to be visual and to have some type of a, a buy-in of the books that they're choosing as opposed to the librarian just saying, you're in sixth grade, here you go, this is for you. So great okay. job, great job. Okay. Thank you so much, Melanie Barrett, coming on today and talking to us on Show Me Literacies. It's been a great conversation. We hope you'll come back again, maybe at the beginning of the school year and talk about what you have coming up for next year. Would you be willing to do that? I'd love that. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And thank all of you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Dr. Cassandra Suggs with Show Me Literacies. Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next time on Show Me Literacies.
Thanks for tuning in. Please join us next time on Show Me Literacy's 